Welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, a stimulating look at culture, current events, faith, and politics from a Christian and conservative point of view. We don't just talk on the radio, we blog too. Check us out at caffeinatedthoughts.com. Now grab a cup of coffee and join us. This is Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. And welcome back to another week of Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Caffeinated Thoughts Radio is brought to you in part by Iowa Right to Life, the largest pro-life organization in Iowa who works to protect life from fertilization to natural death. Go check out their website at iowartl.org. That's iowartl.org. This is Shane Vanderhart, and of course, we got Ron, who does the magic behind the board. Behind the board, he 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 he, uh, he, <laughs> he keeps the wheels on the bus. He he makes sure he he makes sure it sounds good when it goes out. Because uh, as you know, we don't record live, uh, so Ron could really tweak it and make it sound really good. <laughs> Uh, and then, of course, puts together the pod, you know, the audio file for the podcast as well. So, Ron, we couldn't do this without you. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. So, um, a bill just dropped. Well, it's not been. I don't think it's been officially filed. But yesterday, uh, the Senate we we got a, a copy of the Senate. Um, they're calling it a discussion draft. Oh, of the health care <laughs> bill. So I started, sure. Yeah. So I, I start some light reading, you know, and just to get into this. And, and I hate, hate, hate reading federal legislation. It is so convoluted mm-hmm. because you almost have to have like three or four. I mean, this thing amends. Well, that's the first thing I noticed. It's like you're spelling appeal wrong, or repeal wrong. It's not spelled A-M-N-D. <laughs> <laughs> or A M E N D. Excuse me, I spelled amend wrong. Um, so it's like that's that's not repeal, but it's amending different various. So unless you had like all these laws opened up, I mean, it's it, it, it's yeah. no wonder people don't read these things. So it makes me appreciate uh, state legislation because state legislation usually has the text of the law they're they're amending or repealing or whatnot. Mm-hmm. With strikeouts, and I mean, you can read it and you can follow along. It makes a lot more sense. Well, that's so, nice. Yeah, I, I've never had I've never had trouble reading a state bill. I mean, there's some that are poorly written compared to others, but by and large, it's pretty straightforward. Federal legislation is not the case. It's like no <laughs> wonder is it, it, you know it's no wonder you need to hire lobbyists and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. and it's no wonder senators don't read. I mean, sure, and it's no wonder all this stuff gets stuck in there that they try to hide in this process so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just for once i just love a clean straightforward easy to re- read short bill yeah can you guys do that i don't I, think they're able to i don't to. think they're able to no. there's probably some rules that they'll, <laughs> they'll point to it's like well such and such rule doesn't allow that it has so. to be at least 100 pages long or yeah yeah legit. or it's they're in violation of some yeah <laughs> it's crazy well I take that there was one, uh, Congressman Thomas Massey dropped a bill. Mm-hmm. And it was one sentence long. Oh wow! It was it was it was basically repealing or uh, yeah, repealing not repealing, um, ending the terminating. I guess that's the word he is terminating the U.S. Department of Education. <laughs> <laughs> it says the <laughs> the U.S. Department of uh, of Education shall terminate on and it had the date. Had the date. And I can't remember what the date was, yeah. but. It's like probably need a little more detail than that, but hey, I like what you're doing there. That's that's good. <laughs> we have a very special guest in the line. He's not here to talk about healthcare. Um, since I just, I hope to maybe talk about 
that next week. We're not really going to get into that much today. Uh, but Brad Johnson is a former CIA agent, and we thought we'd have him on to just talk about different national security issues. Welcome to Captain Thoughts Radio, Brad. Shane, thank you so much. Nice to speak with both you and Ron, and it's a pleasure to join you. I've I've had my coffee just now, so I should be awesome. ready to keep up, I hope. <laughs> good deal, good deal. So first of all, can, I, I, as much as you can, can you tell us about what you did with the CIA and how long have you been in Certainly. retirement? Uh, well, I've been in retirement for a, a while now, probably right right at 10 years. Uh, and, you know, I basically got out just before Obama came in, which was one of my wiser decisions, I believe, and was with the CIA for 25 years. I was the uh, operations officer, which is the overseas cadre, the guys that do the espionage and covert action and that sort of thing. And out of those 25 years, right at 20 years of it was overseas. So I spent most of my career, uh, you know, either in the, you know, sometimes in headquarters and earth and training and things like that, but the mm-hmm. bulk was out overseas actually doing what needs to be done. Okay. And uh, uh, you probably can't get in specific regions, or definitely I know you can't countries, but... Um so is it, I mean, okay, uh, most of us in the, you know, we, we look at, we think of CIA and all we know about CIA is about, you know, with Tom Clancy novels and, and different movies we watch. Is it, is it a glamorous thing or is it like, <laughs> what's it like? No, well, I mean, they, they, you know, anything having to do with government is bureaucratic <laughs> in nature and they always leave that part out of the movies, but right. there's always a lot of paperwork. Yeah. Uh, there, there is. I mean, you don't join the CIA to go into operations for credit or glamour or bidding on the front page of the paper or anything, because the only way to do that is either get killed or do something completely wrong. Mm-hmm. So anything that you've done well remains secret and classified, and operations that were extremely good that I was involved with decades ago are still classified and secret and are going to have to remain that way. So yeah. that's that's success. So it's one of those things you need to be self-motivated and and uh, and and and. You know, knowing that what you've done is important and right has got to be enough satisfaction for you. Uh, and I, I mean, I can say in my past, I was a multiple-time chief of station, which is head of the office overseas for mm-hmm. the for the agency. So I was involved in a lot of projects and managing projects, and um, you know, involved with liaison services and that sort of things. The other countries' intelligence services overseas, with with whom we have cooperation, and uh, so it, it was a lot of fun. I, I would say. There are aspects of it that could be considered glamorous. I mean, it was just a, a weird little thing that that happened. I was getting ready to catch a flight out of a country on the national airlines, and the airport security is handled by the local intelligence service. And, of course, as chief of station, they knew me, and and um, and we had a good relationship. So uh, when I got to the airport, they whisked me off to their private lounge and, and uh, grabbed my suitcases and checked me in and put the suitcases on the flight and uh, when they wanted to talk to me for 15 minutes, they held up the flight for 15 minutes, made everybody wait so mm-hmm. that we could uh, finish our conversation before they took me on a private van out to the out to the jet and stuff, which actually I didn't appreciate the fact to make the flight wait for me because it was clear coming in late it was me. But, yeah. um, you know, that was that, you know, I had no choice. It wasn't like I asked for it or, or had a say in the decision. But there's things like that that go on where it can be, it's kind of surreal. you know, it can go to your head and it's glamorous and things like that. So you've got to be cautious to treat it for what it is and know that it's your your position and what you represent and not you personally. But there are amours of glass spectrum, uh, of, uh, areas of glamour and aspects that are a lot of fun. 
How did you get involved with CIA? Can you share that? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, back in in uh, in my day when I got hired, I was hired under the buildup of 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 the very early Reagan years, and the CIA had been decimated under Admiral Turner and and President Carter, and uh, they'd just been gutted. They they came in one day and and fired a couple of thousand people, and then a couple wow. more thousand people, you know, walked out the door, retired, and just left uh, immediately on the heels of that. So. Suddenly, you have thousands of people gone, and and it was like I say, it was just gutted. I mean, there was some dead weight that that was you know gotten out of the way in those days as well, but a lot of good people left, and uh, in many ways, the agency never recovered from that. But under under um, um, President Reagan, there was a rebuilding program, and it did come back and, and became strong again, and uh, that was where I was involved. And I actually, believe it or not, came out of banking, and. Uh, uh, in those days, they, they advertised in the Wall Street Journal, and being in a bank, I was reading the Wall Street Journal, and they had an ad for the agency, you know, come join us, do fun things, go overseas, that sort of stuff. I read that article in the Wall Street Journal and laughed and thought, oh, my God, the CIA is advertising in, in the Wall Street Journal. How weird. Yeah. And uh, I threw it away, and, you know, a couple of weeks went by, and I thought, well, you know, cool. <laughs> that might be good for me. So yeah. I, I contacted the agency and went through the process and, you know, Bada bing, bada boom. There I was out in Washington, D.C., getting ready to go overseas. So I just I wanted to talk to you about, uh, for instance, a couple instances. The New York Times uh, earlier this month outed a CIA agent in charge of overseeing intelligence gathering in Iran. And then uh, just uh, t- today, the Washington Post, uh, who's trying to keep the, the Trump-Russia thing alive, has a major story about Barack Obama trying to stop Putin. It contains, it contains this, uh, paragraphs. This earlier drafts accused Putin by name, but the reference was removed out of concern that it might endanger intelligence sources and, and methods. So, um, so, in other words, the United States intelligence, uh, Eric Erickson's writing this, the resurgent, the United States intelligence community uh, thought releasing this information might endanger sources and methods, but the Washington Post is happy to report it anyway and possibly endanger sources and methods. Is this something that you guys had to struggle with, with, with the media? It seems like the media ha- has lost their minds when it comes to, uh, you know, they just don't, there's no common sense anymore. Well, yeah, I mean, that's correct. And certainly you're touching on the hypocrisy of the left and, and just their, you know, I, I think my opinion on this is that overall what you see out of the left, and certainly the left dominates the press, dominates the Democratic Party, Hollywood, all of those areas, um, and most of government, in fact. And what what dominates their mind and how their, their, their optic on this, the matrix that, that they use to decide what's right and wrong is just different than that of, you know, the Judeo-Christian work ethic that the United States is built upon. So mm-hmm. there are, a, you know, that counterculture aspect is true in this case. Um, and, and the way they view it, and socialists all over the world are, are basically the same in this, what concerns them is, is political loyalty and just constant. And when you see, if you look at a, a Democratic president, the people he picks to put around him in these cabinet positions and so on, they're politically reliable. He doesn't pick them based on competence. And uh, you can go back and look at most Republican cabinets, and they're picked, generally speaking, on 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 those elements of competence, that they mm-hmm. can do the job they're picked to do. So what they've done in them, on the left and the press and so on, is that, that, that for them it's to be loyal to the, 
Democratic Party and liberal ideals and all that sort of stuff, and that's first, second, third, and everything else is uh, relatively unimportant. So uh, when you see the New York Times and the Washington Post and so on print articles that are contrary to the national security interests of the United States, it's because they view that political loyalty as preeminent, as more important. That's this philosophical drive that they have to, to support their cause. So Therefore, anything is justified, and you see it play out at every level. I mean, you remember it's only a couple of weeks ago that this uh, young lady with the uh, unusual name, Reality Winner, who was former Air Force, got her security clearance to the Air Force and then transferred over to the private sector and was a contractor, Mm -hmm. uh, just pulled out classified information and sent it to the press because she was politically loyal. Yeah. And for her, she was serving the greater good. So, And then now, just to point out the hypocrisy of it, uh, we have... Our, our everyone's favorite, I'm sure, Anthony Weiner, <laughs> aka Carlos Danger. Uh, he's got. 5, Remember, we're on 000... the radio. <laughs> yes, I won't be. I won't okay. be back. Don't worry, please. And he's, he's. I haven't had that much coffee. And he's he's got five thousand classified documents on his computer at home. Okay, under the law, each classified document that he has is a felony. So he's got 5,000 felonies sitting on his computer at home. Amazing. And what the Democrats, there's this complete hypocrisy. The Democrats come out and say, well, you know, there's no smoking gun, no smoking gun. And, well, okay, uh, you know, to some degree I have to agree. There's there's no smoking gun per se. You know, you don't have somebody standing there with that, that bullet that's just come out. But what you do have yeah, the gun's you loaded. have a dead, dead body laying on the floor with a bullet hole in it. Yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, so the crime is there. Anthony Weiner should be uh, prosecuted and, and put in jail. And if he wants to, you know, then tell everybody where this came from, supposedly it came from his wife, from her private computer, okay, that's 5,000 more felonies. So now we're up to 10,000 felonies. And, you know, then put her in jail too. And if she wishes to discuss where those came from, that's great. And by the way, the procedure they used to locate and, and uh, end up arresting reality winner was they looked at who had printed off those documents and then they connected it with an email that she'd sent to that particular news outlet. Well, those 5,000 documents all had to be printed out the same way because those computer systems with classified information are a completely closed system. There is no way to get those documents from your work classified system computer your own personal computer electronically. It does not exist. Mm. It has to be printed out and then scanned and then sent, you know, on your on its way from your personal computer. And they're saying no intent. Well, you know, five thousand classified documents to get printed out and scanned and sent off, if that doesn't indicate intent, then I just can't imagine what would. Yeah. And you can't say it's an accident when it's done thousands of times. So this was a program set up by somebody arrest those two, put them in jail, 5,000 felonies, they're going to life, the prison for the rest of their lives, and let's see if they sing. Let's see, I mean, yeah. the, the, the police and, and, uh, and prosecutors do that on a daily basis thousands of times in the United States, and this is just one more case. And, and this young girl uh, in jail, the reality winner, did one. Hmm. Hey, just, uh, so, we got a couple minutes left, Qu- a quick question. Or maybe not sure. so quick. <laughs> you have to give a quick answer. Is what are your thoughts okay. about the intelligence community? Uh, there just seems to be leaks abound when it comes to the Trump administration. You think there's a an orchestrated attempt to try to discredit him? Uh, well, orchestrated attempt. The clear 
large-scale effort to discredit him. The orchestrated part would be where I would hesitate. I think there's elements that are orchestrated, and I think there's elements that are just individuals like this girl that um, reality winner. I suspect she was just an individual, but sometimes mm-hmm. if you look at the timing of when these leaks come out and a lot of the stuff around the the Russian leak where where, uh, where Trump was meeting with the Russian ambassador and gave him some classified information, which, by the way, that's a standard operating thing. We do that all the time. Right. And But the information that was leaked is what broke the law by other people. If you look at those leaks, there's a series of leaks that appear to come from different sources, all related. Now, I would take a look at that, and it looks very orchestrated. So I think there's elements of that out there and elements of just these people that, that we call deep state. They call themselves resist, resist yeah. movement. But I think there's elements of all that. I, I hear music coming on. Yeah, hey, so I Brad. Guess I'm running out of time. <laughs> yeah, Brad, thank you so much. We'll have to have you back on. Hey, this is Captain Eight Thoughts Radio. Thanks, Brad. Thank you. Stay tuned, everybody. Hi, this is Brian Myers of Myers and Associates. If you're involved in maintenance at a manufacturing plant, you know how costly it can be when a machine goes down. And if the reason that machine went down is because the electronic controls on it failed, it can really be problematic if those electronics are obsolete. Well, not to worry. We represent Providence Industrial Electronics Repair, and they can get your machine up and running in no time. They repair boards, drives, servo motors, light curtains, you name it. So if you need industrial electronics repaired at your plant, or if you have other industrial maintenance needs, give me a call at 515 490-2640. That's Myers & Associates, 515-490-2640. Myers & Associates, keeping your operations running. Welcome back to Captain A Thoughts Radio. Captain A Thoughts Radio is only possible through the generosity of our sponsors. Be sure to check out Travis Rizvold of Modern Woodman of America. Call Travis at 515-883-0029, and he can help you find the life insurance you, you need. need. As well as, we're also sponsored by Crosswalk Ministries with Scott Owen, who offers biblical counseling and conciliation you can contact Scott at 515-635-5465 or go to crosswalkcounseling.org. On the line, we've got a very special guest, uh, somebody I've been Facebook friends with for a while, and, and we have a lot of similar interests. Uh, uh, I've been following Common Core as well as uh, uh, I think we're both never Trumpers, not that we're going to necessarily talk about that today, but we are going to talk about Common Core. And on the line, we've got Shannon Joy. She's the uh, host of the Shannon Joy Show, and uh, you're on several stations, right, in, in upstate New York mainly? Yeah, that's right, Shane. Thank you so much for having me. You're very and, welcome. Wow, welcome. We have, we've been friends for so long on Facebook, just activating warriors for liberty, for parents, uh, and the kids regarding education. And uh, yeah, I'm on nine radio stations in the upstate New York region, okay. indicated across the kind of a rural network, and then available to anyone in the nation via the Shannon Joy app. So anyone listening to my voice right now, you can download the app and listen live for free every day at noon. Cool. So it's that we're a little baby show, but growing. And you usually do a, a Facebook Live thing, too, as well, don't you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I do one Facebook. 
I do one Facebook Live a week on Thursdays about at around uh, 1.30. And it's fun. It's really organic. I get to talk to all of my Facebook book friends and the listeners. And I just, I don't know about you, Shane, but I get so many brilliant ideas and perspectives from my Facebook community. You know, it's really not the big pundits anymore or the big talkers or the people in the mainstream Republican or conservative media that are coming up with the brilliant liberty-minded ideas. It's folks like you and, uh, you know, the, the, the coalitions that we're building on social media that are really the exciting, you know, doing the exciting political discourse today. Right. Yeah. Well, no, well, we're, just, we're just a bunch of tweet bots, right? <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. We're a bit <laughs> astroturf, fakers. Yes. Yes. No, it's real. Yeah. Our, our listeners are probably like, what are you talking about? If they're not familiar with, uh, there was a report that came out that basically said all the uh, stop common core people were tweet bots. Um, anyways. No, is, no. Yeah. Flesh uh, and blood right here. Right. Shane? R- right. Living absolutely. Living. So what you, you've been fighting common core for a while and in New York, you guys have had quite a resistance. I've been very impressed with the organization uh, behind, uh, you know, getting uh, informing parents about how they can opt their kids out. Um, how did that all, you know, who got that ball rolling and when did you first start, you know, noticing Common Core and uh, your involvement and, and, uh, yeah. yeah, anyway, I'm throwing a lot at you. Go ahead and talk. No, that's all right. <laughs> no, we, you know, I started my, my radio program four years ago, Shane, and it was right after I started the program that we had the huge curriculum change. And it was, it was literally overnight. My kids are, I have three children, they're in public school. And um, it was a disaster. It was, I mean, there was an immediate uproar from parents and teachers who just could not understand how in the darkness and the cover of night without any discourse, without any information, no, um, you know, forum with the, with the public or the taxpayers, they completely turned our education system inside and out, ripped power from the hands of parents and, and local school boards and placed it squarely in the hands of the federal government using the state mm-hmm. as, you know, the governor and the state legislature as kind of the conduit. And so, you know, that began really just in an earnest exploration of how this happened. And so I, I launched something in the first year that I launched my show. I did something called Summer School on Common Core. Okay. And every week we just kind of investigated and peeled the onion a little more and a little more. And, you know, this is coming from a gal. I was a, a rush baby, lifelong Republican, lifelong conservative, listened to talk radio all day long. I mean, it was, you know, mm-hmm. I was your quintessential, you know, conservative Republican. And the more I investigated, the more I realized that the ultimate betrayal had come from the Republicans, that this entire takeover of education was, and I hate to say the word conspiracy, but it was, it was a grand bargain. Mm-hmm. between Republican progressives and Democrat progressives and corporations and the union leaders. Every one of those entities, they came together 10 years ago and they plotted a plan to essentially seize the power uh, away from parents and place it in the hands of a few in Washington, D.C. And that is the story of Common Core. Right. Um, they always planned to move this to charters, right, to present charters and choice as the solution. What they never tell you in those charter and choice bills is that in order to obtain a charter in the United States of America, you must be Common Core compliant. You well, must provide the data. You must do the assessment. Right. And, and that, so, that varies a little bit by state, depending on, like, um, yeah, in states that have adopted Common Core, definitely you 
they if they're public and charter schools are public, they have to adopt mm-hmm. the they have to abide by the standards and 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 you know. Um, uh, yeah. Yes. Shane, I I haven't found one. Okay. Uh, you know, and so I haven't found a single charter. And let me tell you, I have listeners from across the nation who have given me a run for my money, okay. and they will they'll email me and they'll say, Shannon, you're wrong. This is my school, and my administrator tells me explicitly that we are not Common Core aligned. We don't do the testing, and then they send me the link, and then I do a little bit of research, and and sure enough, at the end of the day, sure. if you just peel back that onion, it, it is indeed Common Core aligned. And, and the way that you know is if they're doing the assessment. If your school is doing the assessments, then they are aligning to the Common Core. Mm-hmm. Um, if your school is doing the assessments, then they're also collecting the data. And the charters are, disa- I mean, they are, they are the worst because they are linked directly to the federal government. So if a charter school doesn't hit that 95% participation rate in the, state, in the assessments, Common mm-hmm. Core, the federal government will shut them down in 24 hours. That's how quickly the federal government can pull the plug on a charter school. That links that charter even more directly to the federal government. The only difference is there's no democratically elected board. Right. That, right? That, They've, um, oh, go ahead. Uh, Iowa doesn't have many charter schools, so... Uh, um, so it's not something I'm quite as familiar with, but that yeah. direct link to the federal government, why is that? Um, I mean, is that because they, they apply directly for, you know, grant money or, you know, what's what's going on the, there? Well, the, the charter legislation is voluminous and incredibly confusing. And as you said, varies from state to state. But the core element is uh, what what they're trying to do is is use the Common Core standards in the assessments to identify problem public schools, particularly inner city schools, um, you know, in some of the big cities, and use that those those tests and those exams as a bludgeon, really, to shut down those schools, mm-hmm. and then raise up in their place charters. And the charter schools have all kinds of regulations. They don't have a school board. They have mm-hmm. a, an appointed board, board of stakeholders and then two parent liaisons that are appointed by the board, right? So there okay. isn't, I mean, there's no direct, you know, voter. Yeah, there's uh, no elected board. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and and the way, so the, the way the unions win, you see that the, people think that this is going to hurt the unions. And what people don't understand is that the deal has already been cut. These charters will unionize eventually. In fact, if you look in California, um, who is, they're the most advanced in this. And in many of the California, the, the charter schools have already unionized. Okay. So they're already subject to collective bargaining laws by the state of California. And so the, the unions knew this. This is why the unions didn't put up a fuss, and they haven't put up a big fuss about charters. Because they know that the second that the government gets that direct grip on those charter schools, that they're just going to reunionize and we're going to go back to square one. The other component here is the corporations. The laws, the, the charter school laws also opened up massive amounts of very attractive investment opportunities for billionaires and essentially huge tax shelter. And so there is an enormous incentive for millionaires, billionaires, corporations to come in and start charter schools because um, the way the way that the, the law is written, they can essentially take, a, you know, a massive amount of taxpayer profit, those funds, those public school funds. At, at, at a very low tax rate, or even right. a zero tax rate. So there, there you see you have the you have the corporate payoff, mm-hmm. right? They have this nice new shelter. You have the union payoff, and then you have the the po- the political payoff, and that is the control and the data. 
and the vice grip that the federal government has on. That's where the Republicans and the Democrats came together. Definitely. And well, so, we, we just saw uh, this month, or last week, actually, I think it was, the Department of Labor just announced uh, additional grants for states to help um, make connections between their workforce um, data and education data. It's like, yep. oh, so we're going to do, you know, pre-K or birth, depending on your state, I would be like pre-K to 20, you know, having this, this pre- preschool to career database. That, yeah. What could possibly go wrong with that? <laughs> well, Shane, you know, I just had, I just had uh, Nicholas Tampia, who is a liberal. I uh-huh. love him. He's, a, he's an amazing Common Core uh, opponent with And he's me, at Fordham, he's right? Yeah, Ford University, an expert in Common Core. And he said, you know, Shannon, uh, you know, they say pre, meaning pre-kindergarten or pre-K. He's like, when I talk to some of my colleagues, they mean prenatal. Oh, wow. Prenatal. So when they say P, they when they say pre-K through 20 plus, that is prenatal through education, through career. It's basically cradle to grave government control. The government seizing the 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 human capital of this nation. That's really what this is about. Well, it is, you know, go ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, obviously we've over, it's not happened overnight, several years we've had a shift away from, uh, you know, classical education, from civics education to now it's workforce yeah. development. Now we're focused on training kids with skill, you know, for skills for the 21st century jobs, you know, mm-hmm. whatever right. those might be. And, and, uh, it, it seems like we, you know we're trying to uh, oh things uh, you know if, there's this huge push on STEM 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 and now we're not you know kids hard, hardly know anything about history because we're not really focusing on that um, right. and, and it's just yeah and it, it, it's it, basically what's driving it is you it's it's corporations wanting I think the schools to become their their you know do more job training which is really the job of the corporations to do when they hire, but they want some of these kids to, you know, it, it, it's right. it's frustrating, the direction we're taking. Well, it's absolutely frustrating, and, and STEM is so stupid too, Shane. I mean, for, for, for God's sake, technology moves so fast. The devices that we're on today will be obsolete in five years. Right. The idea that we're training kids up in STEM is so dumb on its face. What you want to train children up to be is critical, to be critical thinkers, to be able to go out and seek answers, to to be able to, to rationally make decisions, to, to find information, process information in a way that is going to help them to, to you know, further their own lives, make their own choices, right? That's what you teach children. That's why language mm-hmm. is so important. Rhetoric is so important. Critical thinking, um, you know, in those first building blocks, you know, of, of, you know, reading and writing and arithmetic, the, that classical model, that's how you teach kids. I mean, come on, right. this is not any different but first than, you, I mean, 4,000 years. Yeah, yeah. But, for, but, but first you, first you teach content. Right? Right. So you actually right. have something well, to think critically about. Well, yeah. You know, the classical model is, uh, you know, the primary years is just the building blocks. You are learning language with the root in Latin because Latin is the root of all the Romance languages. Mm-hmm. So if you start teaching kids Latin in kindergarten, they're going to easily pick up French and Spanish and Dutch and English and, you know, all of those, you know, but we don't do that. Uh, but you start in with the, those basic building blocks in the primary years when kids like to memorize and their brains are perfect for just absorbing massive amounts of rote information. And then you move on to the middle school years where you then begin to develop rhetoric or, mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, critical think It's critical thinking. Right. Um, why do you believe what you believe and how do you come to that decision? So how do you think? How do you process information to make good decisions or to come to certain conclusions? 
And then in the high school years, those secondary years, it's rhetoric, okay? So building on everything you learned in primary and in middle school, now how do you communicate that to other people? Because none of it matters if you can't engage with other people and communicate to them your ideas and your beliefs. Absolutely. That's the classical model. Yeah. That's what the, the, and that's, that's, the, that's uh, what true rigor looks like. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not common core. Well, and it's also... Oh my gosh, it's also interesting and enlightening and fun, and the kids love it. I mean, it's it it it's devastating to me. One of the things that when I began to to understand education and, and look at that classical model, I felt so gypped, Shane. Yes. And during my high my years, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I wish I had that. So yeah. Much. Yeah. I wish I had that. You know, and the other thing that they do in that classical model is in each segment, the primary, the middle, and the secondary, they do a full chronological history of the world. And we're, from, from we're, we're out of time, great. actually. We'll have to have you back because I'd like to talk about, you know, refusing the test. Um, so oh, yes. we'll be in touch. Hey, this is Caffeine Thoughts Radio. Stay tuned, everybody. Hi, this is Brian Myers. When I needed a better life insurance plan, I found it with Travis Riswold of Modern Woodman of America. When I first met Travis, he wasn't like some other life insurance agents that can be pushy and try to get you to buy something. Travis just made himself available to me. That was it. He told me to let him know if and when I needed anything, and he stayed in touch. When the day came and I did need to make some changes with my life insurance, Travis met with me and walked me through several options so I could make an informed decision. Ultimately, it was the best decision for my situation. So if you need a better or the best life insurance plan for you... Call my friend Travis Riswold with Modern Woodman. His number is 515-883-0029. Travis Riswold with Modern Woodman. He can help you find the life insurance you need. Call him at 515-883-0029. Every human being has God-given dignity. That's what we believe at American Principles Project. We work in all 50 states and in Washington, D.C. to promote life, religious freedom, local control over education, economic progress for working Americans, and a return to the constitutional principles that make America great. Want to help us out? Visit our website today and sign up for email updates, AmericanPrinciplesProject.org. That's AmericanPrinciplesProject.org. Welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, a stimulating look at culture, current events, faith, and politics from a Christian and conservative point of view. We don't just talk on the radio, we blog too. Check us out at caffeinatedthoughts.com. Now grab a cup of coffee and join us. This is Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. And welcome back to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Caffeinated Thoughts Radio is sponsored in part by American Principles Project, a conservative political think tank in Washington, D.C., American Principles Project believes that human dignity should be at the heart of public policy. They work in all 50 states and in Washington, D.C. to promote life, religious freedom, local control over education, authentic economic progress for working Americans, and a return to constitutional principles such as federalism. Want to help American Principles Project? Visit their website today. That's AmericanPrinciplesProject.org. That's AmericanPrinciplesPlesProject.org. Sign up for email updates. Send a small donation their way. Help them out. They're a great group. And full disclosure, I work with them, um, but can definitely vouch for them. I've been working with them since 2010, so um, and I've loved every minute. Hey, uh, some interesting things happened uh, <laughs> this week. Our, our illustrious um, 
Republican Party of Iowa chair uh, Jeff Kaufman kind of um, got a little unhinged during the uh, Donald Trump rally in Cedar Rapids this week. Go ahead and play clip one. For Trumpers out there, you know what? I'm getting just a little tired of that, too. We had Senator Ben Sass from Nebraska. He crosses the Missouri River and in that sanctimonious tone talks about what he doesn't like about Donald Trump, what he doesn't like about Donald Trump. You know what, Senator Sass? I really don't care what you like. We love Donald Trump. We do. Hmm. And if you don't love him, I'd suggest you stay on your side of the Missouri River. So apparently to be able to be a, you know, visit Iowa, you need to love Donald Trump. <laughs> you know, I, I obviously I was never Trumper, so he's kind of including he's sick of me too, even though I feel like I've I've ta- for one thing, it does it doesn't do you guys as listeners any good and it doesn't make my uh, advocacy effective if I'm complaining about him 24/7. And if I nitpick every little thing he does, because then people will tune you out when you want to talk about something vitally important and, and you need to bring up something. Hey, this is not right. There's been a lot of things that Donald President Trump has done that I, 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 I can appreciate and I've praised him for. I don't know what the heck S- Senator Sass did recently that brought, that instigated this um, because he's you know is he a Trump fan? No. Um, has he been criticizing Trump left and right? No. Um, he certainly hasn't been coming in. He didn't. He never went into Iowa. He never went out and campaigned against Donald Trump, ever. Um, he's, he certainly did come in this Iowa to do that. So I don't, you know, he, uh, Kaufman's uh, accusing him of doing things that he never actually did. But this is, a, this does not help with party unity. If if you truly want party unity, you can't just you got to love Donald Trump or get out. That doesn't work. Now, I can tolerate Donald Trump and I can again praise the good things he does. And and, and I'm looking at Senator Sass and it's like I've not seen any way that he has obstructed the Trump agenda since uh, Trump has been in office. He's voted for every single as far as I know, every single nominee. Um so I, I don't know where this is coming from. It's like, Ooh. so what are you sick of? Oh, that we're not, you know, licking his boots. I mean, I, I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, Jeff Kaufman got a nice pat on the head from Donald Trump afterwards. So hopefully that was worth it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of respect from him before, but now I have absolutely none. So moving on, let's Senator Cruz. Uh, last week, there was a Senate, Senate Judiciary Committee uh, hearing on free speech 101 on college campuses, and he gave an opening statement that I think everybody should hear. So I'm going to play the whole thing for you. Go ahead and play clip two. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and, and thank you for holding this very important hearing. Uh, free speech matters. Diversity matters. Diversity of people's backgrounds, but also diversity of thought, diversity of ideas. Universities are meant to be a challenging environment for young people to encounter ideas they've never seen, they've never imagined, and that they might passionately disagree with. If universities become 
homogenizing institutions that are focused on inculcating and indoctrinating rather than challenging, we will lose what makes universities great. The First Amendment is not about opinions you agree with. It's not about opinions that are right and reasonable. The First Amendment is about opinions that you passionately disagree with and the right of others to express them. It's tragic what is happening at so many American universities where college administrators and faculties have become complicit in functioning essentially as speech police deciding what speech is permissible and what speech isn't. You see violent protests that the senior senator from California referred to, enacting effectively a heckler's veto where violent thugs come in and say, this particular speaker, I disagree with what he or she has to say, and therefore I will threaten physical violence if the speech is allowed to happen. And far too many colleges and universities quietly roll over and say, okay, the threat of violence, we will effectively reward the violent criminals and muzzle the First Amendment. And I saw a recent study from the Knight Foundation that said that a majority of college students believe the climate on their campus has prevented people from saying what they believe out of fear of giving offense. What an indictment of our university system. And what does it say about what you think about your own ideas? If ideas are strong, if ideas are right, you don't need to muzzle the opposition. You should welcome the opposition. When you see college faculties and administrators being complicit or active players in silencing those with opposing views, what they are saying is they are afraid. They are afraid that their ideas cannot stand the dialectic, cannot stand opposition, cannot stand facts or reasoning or anything on the other side. And it is only through force and power that their ideas can be accepted. I'm one who agrees with John Stuart Mill. The best solution for bad ideas, for bad speech, is more speech and better ideas. Are there people with noxious ideas in the world? Absolutely. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, you got the gist of what he's saying. I I think we were almost almost to the end there. He, you know, the free speech has never been about speech you agree with. It's always been about offensive speech and speech you vehemently disagree with. Um, So obviously in our, in our society, there's been things that you can't like yell fire in a crowded, you know, uh, movie theater, things like that are not allowed, but this, this movement that, you know, I'm not going to allow anything to enter my world that might offend me. um, That's crazy. I I intentionally try to read, uh, read and listen to things I disagree with. Because I find it challenging. It helps hone what I believe. Um, and now I, it appears to me that we, we're in a society, and especially it seems like younger generation even more so, where we've got these silos, where it's an echo chamber, and we never get, we, we never, our ideas are never pushed back against. That, that does not help you become a functioning you know, person, a functioning person in society that does not help you 
become an adult when you you, you need to be able to um, work with people that whom you may not agree with. That's what to, you know. Being able to put up with those people—that's tolerance. That's what it's supposed to be about. That anyway. I, I thought that was great. I'm glad the Senate's having that hearing. Uh, there's there needs to be some changes on college campuses. Uh, the direction is is very disturbing. Hey, this is Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a moment. You're running late and tempted to disobey that no-walk signal. Waiting can be frustrating. Conflict is like attempting to cross a busy intersection. You really don't want to step off that curb carelessly. I'm Scott Owen with Crosswalk Ministries of Central Iowa, and you're listening to Pause for Peace. We like to use Pause Principle by Peacemakers Ministries to help people make those critical steps towards reconciliation. We find that they create a safe structure in the same fashion as a crosswalk provides the parameters for a safe trip through traffic. Another benefit we find with the pause principle is that it reminds us to slow down and take our time to evaluate the situation before moving forward. If you find yourself rushing into the traffic of conflict, please give us a call at 515-635-5465. Crosswalk Ministries is a safe place to make your steps towards God and others. And home stretch. Almost done. I know it makes you sad. It makes me sad. Hey, this is Caffeinate Thoughts Radio. We appreciate you tuning in and listening. Uh, you know, if you get a chance, make sure you go to caffeinatedthoughts.com. You missed any of the interviews before. Uh, if you go to caffeinatedthoughts.com, click on CT Radio uh, right there in, in all of its glory. You'll find every single last episode we've ever done. You'll, you, can, you can listen to them all. Um, and it's becoming quite a collection. Absolutely. Uh, so... Hey, uh, also, don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Uh, we appreciate it. Well, our last segment, we've got this theme. It's like due to the incredible sheer volume of material we have available because the leader of the free world loves Twitter. Today, once again, we're ending our show with the top Trump tweet of the week. Brought to you by Myers & Associates, serving the Midwest with industrial maintenance products and services. Call them at 515-795-3676. Myers and Associates, keeping your operations running. Without further ado, the top Trump tweet of the week. Thank you, Ron. The, the public loves it. <laughs> hey, we had a string of tweets from President Trump on Thursday. Um, a little bit later in the day, he waited till like, it wasn't like in the wee hours of the morning. Uh, it was like after 8 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. First tweet was, former Homeland Security Advisor Jay Johnson is latest top intelligence official to state there was no grand scheme between Trump and Russia. Gotta love the talk referring to myself in third person. <laughs> so, 
of course, you can't end this with just one tweet. Then he oh, moves absolutely. on and says, by the way, yes. if Russia was working so hard on the 2016 election, it took place during the Obama administration. Why didn't they stop them? That's not a bad question. That's actually a fair that's point. A very, that's a very fair question. Then he asks another one. Why did Democratic National Committee turn down DHS offer to protect against hacks long prior to election? It's all big dem hoax. Then why did the DNC refuse to turn over its server to the FBI and still hasn't? It's all a big dem scam. That's dem scam. <laughs> FCC, if you're listening, dem scam. An excuse for losing the election. Well, I don't know about that, but I think he does bring up some good points. And uh, with the House Intelligence Committee as well as the Senate Intelligence Committee investigating, uh, you know, the the basically the Russian involvement in our 2016 election, I think they need to subpoena the Democratic National Committee. And I'm not saying that as a partisan thing. They were hacked. We, I think it's reasonable to ask them, uh, because Jay Johnson, he's the one who revealed that the Democratic National Committee did refuse their help. Why, why did they refuse the help? Why haven't they turned over their server to the FBI? I'd like to know why the FBI allowed them to get away with not turning over their server. Mm-hmm. Usually, especially if they have a warrant for it, you know, I, maybe they didn't. Maybe, maybe they need to get the proper paperwork. I'm sure, you know, it probably got wiped clean. I images of uh, of uh, <laughs> Hillary Clinton with, you know, uh, Windex and paper towel wiping. <laughs> <laughs> So, no, she's probably like Sharky. banging on it with a hammer. <laughs> it's, um, you know, the, uh, I, I have to, I, you know, I wouldn't necessarily jump to the conclusion as a dem hoax. Again, FCC, dem, not, you know, the other word. Um, but he brings up some reasonable questions, I think, that, that the Senate and House Intelligence Committee needs to ask. Hey, DNC, you know, what, what's up? Hey, this is Caffeine Thoughts Radio. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Again, be sure to go to CaffeineThoughts.com. We'll see you next week, everybody.